Hello and welcome to DIY TDCS, where we explore what's happening in the fascinating world of transcranial direct current stimulation. My name is John Humphrey, and this is podcast episode number two. Today, my guest is Dr. Jim Fujidi of the Brain Stimulation Clinic in Atlanta, Georgia. Find Jim on the internet at transcranialbrainstimulation.com. I had some issues with the interview audio quality. My apologies. Today is January 15th, 2013. I'm speaking with Dr. Jim Fujidi of the Brain Stimulation Clinic in Atlanta. Jim's clinic uses TDCS therapy to treat chronic pain, fibromyalgia, migraine headaches, depression, and tinnitus. Jim, before we get into TDCS, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I'm an anesthesiologist, and I practice pain management, and that's how I got interested in the TDCS. Okay, so are you, do you continue to practice as an anesthesiologist? I practice in an office. I, I do management uh, procedures for chronic pain patients. And more and more TDCS is becoming part of my treatment regimen. When I first got interested in TDCS, of course, I did the Google, and you popped up almost right away. You seem to be one of the few clinicians who are actually offering TDCS uh, as a therapy. Can you tell us a little bit how you got started with that? I first became aware of TDCS with the publication of the article that was authored, authored by uh, Lipe Frenyi at Harvard. The, the study used TDCS to treat fibromyalgia patients. They did five 20-minute treatments over a five-day period and they reduced the pain 50%. These results were much better and uh, are, are still better than the medications that have been certified for uh, fibromyalgia. And I was telling a patient about this, this wonderful new treatment, and she said, well, why don't you do it? At the time, TDCS wasn't certified and continues not to be certified uh, by the FDA it's done as what's called an off-label use. The stimulator, the device is certified and has been certified, but the use for the transcranial treatment has not been. And, and what that means is that there is no insurance code that you can bill insurance for. Hmm. So many medications, many devices are used off-label. As long as it benefits the patient, this is an appropriate way to use the uh, device. And I called the FDA. They said, yes, you can indeed use it. And um, I ordered a stimulator and began researching the procedure and first used the core fibromyalgia with, with very good results. Subsequent to that, I, I got a call from a patient in South Georgia who was interested in the TDCS for chronic depression. And his psychiatrist wanted him to uh, undergo electroconvulsive therapy. Uh, he was resistant to that because he wanted to go back to work. And, and one of the, the 
most significant side effects for ECT is memory loss. So he was reticent about undergoing the treatment, and uh, he came to the office. We did the treatment for a week. His depression was significantly reduced. When he first came, he looked depressed. By the end of the week, he was smiling. He was more outgoing. And the effects lasted for about three months. And he, he called me to do the treatment again. He did it for a day, and after that I said, why don't I loan you a stimulator, teach you how to do it. The procedure itself is very easy, and this way you don't have to commute for three hours a day to the office. So we, we did that. By the end of the week, he uh, again was in remission, and his results were, were as good as mine, and, and that's how I started doing the TDCS for depression and began to look at the home use for TDC. So what's the time frame we're talking about now? What, what year would this be? This was after the study was published in 2006, so early 2007. So very early, really. At the time, there were maybe 20 articles published uh, on TDCF. Today, there's over 750. So how did you build a protocol for TDCS with fibromyalgia back then? Well, I just copied the protocol of Bregman. We used a 20-minute treatment uh, for five days. And uh, the, the effects last for about two to three months. In addition to reducing the pain, although fibromyalgia is, is termed a chronic pain condition, most patients are more bothered by the fatigue and the compromised mental function. And both of these improve with the transcranial treatment. Wow. And uh, are we talking about uh, 1 milliamp or 2 milliamps? Well, I used the 2 milliamp. That, that's what Pregni had used. Mm -hmm. uh, and I used between 1 and 2 milliamps. Now, uh, it may be in the future that we find using larger currents provide a more robust response, but until studies are published demonstrating that and demonstrating the, the safety, um, I'm reticent to uh, use more than two million. What, what about the montage? What are you using for fibromyalgia? Or is it the same montage for anything to do with pain? Well, the, the montage that's used for chronic pain uh, is over the, the M1 motor cortex. And this is the result of, of studies based on deep brain stimulation and cortical stimulation. And the I believe the first study for pain that was published by Nietzsche and Paul in Germany looked at uh, patients with pain secondary to spinal cord injury. Although that may be the study that pregnant initially published. But stimulating over the motor cortex seems to increase the uh, descending inhibition of, of pain. Pain nerves synapse initially uh, in the spinal cord, and uh, that's where the modulation first begins. So if you can increase the inhibition on the spinal cord, you can decrease uh, the total pain experience. And this is done by stimulating an area in the brain that normally inhibits chronic pain that seems to be under-functioning in the chronic pain condition. So that's anode M1, and where is the cathode in, in your montage? 
Well, the cathode, uh, I've experimented with different locations. I've used extra cephalic on the shoulder. I've used to the opposite uh, hemisphere. Uh, but I've gone back to putting it over the supraorbital area on the opposite side of the head. And the reason is that theoretically, when one side of, of the brain is functioning, the opposite, in the contralateral side, is, is down-regulated, and in, in a sense, the two hemispheres work against each other. Um, so stimulating or inhibiting using the cathode, the inhibitory electrode over the opposite hemisphere would theoretically give you a more robust response. Practically speaking, I haven't noticed it. Hmm. The most robust response seems to be with the cathode over the contralateral or that may have something to do with two electrodes being closer together. Hmm. The closer they are, the more robust the response, although if the two electrodes are right next to each other, the current will not penetrate the, the cranium, but rather just pass through the, the superficial skin and subcutaneous tissue. Have you experimented with different sized electrodes? I, I have. Uh, I used the two-inch, and uh, the German group published a study where they used a larger electrode over the opposite orbit to spread out the current more and, and so decrease the overall effect. Um, I've, I've tried that. It's a little bit more cumbersome. It doesn't seem to be any more beneficial. I've also used a, a one-inch square bunch uh, electrode to focus the current more. The downside of that is that because you're using a smaller surface area, you have to be more exact in the positioning of the electrode. Because of individual variation, I think there's a chance that you will miss your target and, and have less benefit. So I've gone back to the two-inch square electrode, which is pretty much what most researchers are currently using. And you're using the Activa Dose 2? Uh, right. Do they provide the electrodes, or do you have to get those separately? No, the Activa Dose 2 wire connectors and the electrodes need to be replaced. The electrodes that I use are manufactured by Amrex. Uh, they're the sponge electrodes with the metal back. The reason I prefer those is because you cannot have contact with the metal backing against the skin and so possibly cause the skin burn. Some other researchers use the carbon rubber covered by a sponge sleeve. The downside is that that sponge sleeve slips and the carbon rubber comes in contact with the skin. Again, you can have a skin burn. Hmm. So the Amrex is one that's the electrode that's most commonly used. And, and if you look at images that are on the internet, you'll see the could you talk a little bit about these benefits that the patients are having? Well, the most benefit occurs in patients who have chronic depression, either unipolar or bipolar depression. And uh, I've yet to have a patient who hasn't experienced benefit. The protocol that I currently use is based on the, the protocol of Colleen Liu, who published uh, an article, Longest Duration of Treatment and the Largest Group of Depressed Patients. That's Treat the Black Dog Institute, right, in Australia, yes. right? Yes. 
black dog refers to depression. What was significant about her study, there was a 50% reduction of depression scores in patients who did not respond to at least two courses of antidepressant treatment. Antidepressants provide benefit at most in, in 60% of patients. 40% of patients have no benefit at all from antidepressants. And this was the group that she treated. What was also significant was they, they tested the patients at the end of each week. And at the end of each week, there was a further reduction of depression scores until they stopped the study at six weeks. And at that point, there was a 50% reduction of depression. They maintained these patients in remission with a single weekly maintenance dose for about three and a half months. And at that point, again, they ended the study. Hmm. What this study shows is not only is TDCS beneficial for, for treating depression, and for patients who are, are not treatment resistant, they, they respond even faster and more robustly, in my experience. But in the treatment resistant patient, what I do now is I do a six week course uh, as Dr. Lou did, but if there is improvement between the fifth and the sixth week of treatment, I will do a seventh week. And if there is further improvement, I will do an eighth week of treatment. Mm-hmm. And once we get to that point, then I go to a one or two per week maintenance schedule. Can you walk us through the whole treatment process? Someone walks into your office and says, uh, Dr. Fujidi, I'm, I'm depressed. Uh, meds don't seem to be working for me. Uh, how, how do we do this? Well, what I do is I get a copy of the, the medical record. As an anesthesiologist, I, I don't diagnose the depression, although chronic pain patients almost always are depressed. They have a depressing quality of life. But I, I want to make sure that the patient has, has been appropriately diagnosed, appropriately treated, and uh, to know the limitations of that treatment. Now, at that point, uh, there, there are two options. For patients who want to be treated at the clinic, I, I will treat them for one to two weeks. And the other option is the home use protocol. And I have to say this is my preference, and, and the reason is, the two limiting factors for the transcranial treatment are, are cost and, and convenience. If you're doing a six or eight week protocol, that means the patient has to come to the office for six or eight weeks for a, a 20 minute treatment. That becomes expensive and it's extremely inconvenient, even more so if the patient is out of town. TPCS is, is predicted to be used at home. The experts in the field predict this six years ago. Programmable units are becoming available. And that does increase the safety factor because my biggest concern for a patient being able to do the treatment at home is whether they can do it appropriately. And part of, of the evaluation to um, make sure that they can do it safely, that they can do it right, and so improve the benefit. Mm-hmm. So when you say six weeks, you mean every day for six weeks? At least five days a week. I see. If you're doing it at home, it's very easy to do. So you can easily and safely do it seven days a week. Doing it at home allows a longer protocol. It allows us to, to use multiple protocols 
and this is more important to maintain because if one protocol doesn't provide the degree of, of relief that we want, we can use a, another protocol after that. So it, it increases our chance of success, and it increases the degree of success. And again, this is the similar montage. No, is this still M1, or are we now talking... Uh... For chronic pain, the M1 is the most used area, and that's almost always my first choice. But you can use the cathode over the somatosensory cortex to downregulate the patient's perception of pain. And you can also stimulate the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which is involved in the emotional component of pain. So those are the three areas that I currently uh, stimulate for pain. But for depression, is it prefrontal dorsolateral Yes, that, that is the only area I stimulate for depression. I'm currently looking at stimulating the right dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. There have been some reports that you can attenuate anxiety by stimulating that area. And it's also an area that is under-functioning and attention deficit disorder. So it may be a location for the non-pharmaceutical treatment for ADD. Right. What are the costs? You said earlier there's no way to get this on your insurance. Is that right? Correct. So it's an out-of-pocket expense. What uh, approximately? How much is an office visit? Well, the office visit is one hundred fifty dollars, and uh, I believe that the groups in New York and Boston charge that, or possibly uh, a little bit more. The home use treatment is a package. It's twenty-four hundred dollars, and the reason I presented to the patient as a package is because if I just provided them the stimulator, I would not be sure that they wouldn't begin experimenting on their own. When I evaluate them, I believe they would follow the protocols, but if you charge for the patient, uh, for example, a, a consult afterwards, the likelihood is they will under-consult you. So having it as a package the more they consult me, the more they get for their job. And this is proof to, to main contact, maintain contact with, with patients, some of them now for uh, almost two years. Oh, that's great. So I would come to you for an office visit. We would determine that TDCS was an appropriate treatment. Uh, let's supposing I purchased the package. I would walk away with... Uh, the stimulator, electrodes, uh, probably some kind of documentation where I would keep track of uh, of my... Yes, I provide that. And we spend at least half a day instructing the patient uh, on how to use the stimulator, what the theory behind the use is, the potential benefits, potential side effects, although really the only side effect that's of concern is the skin burn. Mm -hmm. And that is very easy to prevent. With the follow-up, uh, the unlimited follow-up, the patient can either contact me via Skype, email, or telephone, or, or if the patient is in the proximity, they can come into the office anytime. And we can look at it, adjusting the protocol or getting additional protocols. Mm -hmm. You mentioned tinnitus on your site. Have you had any, you've had some luck with that? Yes. TDCS works 
very well for tinnitus. The only limiting factor is that it's temporary. The temporary effects of TDCS occur for depression and chronic pain too. That adds a safety factor, but it also necessitates then maintenance treatments or uh, repetition of, of protocols. Yeah, as someone who suffers, well, I, I wouldn't call it suffering, but I've had tinnitus really quite badly since I was a teenager. It would be it'd be very interesting to not hear that ringing, even if it was for a few minutes. What's the montage for, for that? Well, it's stimulating the, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, but, but on the right side. So you put it's anodal stimulation on the right side. There have been a, a number of oncologists, but the, uh, the right frontal cortex stimulation seems to be the most effective. And cathodal on the left orbital above the eye? Yes, okay. I, I almost always use the opposite superorbital area for the cathode. Now, supposing there, was, uh, there were doctors, other doctors out there listening to our talk, and they became fascinated with TDCS and is there anything that legally prevents them from doing similar? No. As I said, we, we used the Activa dose in an off-label use. They could easily do the same. And I have encountered several doctors who started doing it. And um, unfortunately, they really didn't know what they were doing. I had one patient who had skin burns because uh, electroencephalogram electrodes were used instead of the sponge electrodes. Harvard offers a one-day course in TDCS. I believe it's three, maybe four times a year. And I've encountered a number of physicians and, and psychologists uh, who've taken the course and begun to do the TDCS. And I've provided consultation with, with several other doctors who have begun using the treatment after they, they, they took the Harvard course. And universally, they're, they're very excited as, as I am. It's not very frequently that you find a, a treatment that's effective when convention, other conventional treatments are. Something that's easy to do, relatively inexpensive. For example, the uh, electromagnetic treatment that is certified for the treatment of resistant depression, a 30 protocol treatment, which is a six week uh, protocol, costs between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. The effects last for about six months. Your yearly cost is twenty to thirty thousand dollars, and even though it's certified, it's not covered by insurance. Hmm. So, uh, the home use TDCS program, in comparison, is large. What's the prognosis for enabling TDCS to become insured? What would have to happen? Well, uh, eventually it will be insured. It has to be reviewed and certified by the FDA. The FDA is relatively liberal in dealing with the TDCS because in the 12 years that it's been used, there have been no side effects reported of other than skin. Hmm. So the fact that it's so safe, and part of the safety is due to the rigorous protocols that have been followed by, by researchers and clinicians. Um, but I think it'll probably take three to four years before it becomes certified and widely used. But one of the factors that in interferes with that is economics. For example, if you have a choice of treating a patient with 
TDCS or, or the RTMS, the electromagnetic treatment, there's much more profit in using the electromagnetic stimulus. Mm. Um, and, and I think that has interfered with um, the TDS being uh, more widely used. Edison is influenced by profit in the United States. That's what the driving force is. And in uh, the rest of the world, where, where they have socialized medicine, the impetus is to get the most for the money. And in the United States, unfortunately, it's just the opposite of that. How do we make the most money? Yeah, you don't want to get me started on that. <laughs> no, believe me. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Canada, and uh, you know, I lost a lot of relatives over the last ten years, and the process is well. Nobody had to think about money. I believe that medical care is a right, not a privilege, and I'm for single payer system, socialized medicine. You know, we we hear stories about Canadians having to, to wait for, for surgery. But in the United States, if you don't have the money and you don't have insurance, you don't have to worry about waiting. You won't get the surgery. Exactly. One other question related to depression. When you're first talking to a prospective patient, do you require that they've already been through a pharmaceutical protocol, or will you take them? No. For the depression, the average depressed patient after five treatments isn't depressed anymore. And, um, I mean, this is an incredible response because if you're depressed and you're prescribed an antidepressant, you only have a 30% chance of getting improvement. And, and this is after six weeks. And if there's no improvement, you start another six-week therapeutic trial. So it could be 12 weeks before you notice any benefit. Compared to the TDCS, like I said, at five days, the, the depression is, is gone for an average for a patient with average depression. And, you know, major depressive disorder is a temporary phenomenon. Usually it lasts four to 10 months. And in the patients that I've treated who were depressed, I never have to treat them uh, a second time. Wow. Now for, for the treatment resistant chronic depressed patients, there's a difference in that. Mm -hmm. So I see the TDCS as, as being a, a frontline treatment for depression, and when the first uh, depression studies were, were done, and that was about five years ago, researchers predicted at, at that time that it would be a first-line treatment, and certainly the, the cost, the uh, efficacy would make that my first treatment compared to an antidepressant. I mean, the two side effects from antidepressants that are most prominent are weight loss weight gain, uh, and decreased libido. And those two things will depress you by themselves. Yeah, there you go. Can you think of anything I forgot to ask you? Uh, well, there, there's other potential uses. And I'm just beginning to look at TDCS for improving memory and learning. Just a couple of weeks ago, a study came out which showed improved motor learning in older patients. And with the incidence of senility and Alzheimer's, potentially TDCS may either postpone the development of those conditions or uh, possibly decrease the incidence. Yeah, I'm following that very closely. That's actually what attracts me to TDCS is the cognitive enhancement and the possibility that you could cut your learning time 
as much as half is what some of the studies are saying. Uh, the sniper study, the pilot studies, that demonstrated a 50% increase. And spider study in Australia using TDCS to improve intuition is also exciting. One other area that's exciting is high-definition transcranial treatment, which has possibly some additional benefits. The only downside I could think of is it may not be as robust as using the two-inch electrodes that, that most researchers currently mm -hmm. Might might not be as uh, home use friendly either. I'm thinking. Well, I think it would be equally friendly, but right now there just haven't been enough studies that I would use it the, the way I use the um, mm -hmm. regular TDCS. Well, I see that Soterix and uh, Marambicum right. have right. ongoing studies for depression, so we should have yeah. some news and soon. They just started recruiting for a study to treat epilepsy in children. Uh, when Marum was in, in Atlanta, he, he met with me, and his research is really exciting, uh, especially the computational modeling that we have now. Because when TDCS first became available, we, we thought that the current flowed from one electrode to the other, and, and it does. But the pathway can vary a great deal depending on uh, the location of the electrodes, the areas of the brain stimulated, the placement in, in relation to, for example, the ventricles, the electrolyte content in the cerebral spinal fluid is an easy pathway for the current to follow. And so the areas adjacent to the ventricles have higher electrical uh, content and greater alteration of effect. If somebody wants to know more about you and your clinic, it's transcranialbrainstimulation.com. Is that right? Is that the best? Right. Okay. They can send me an email. They, they can call me. As, as you're aware, I love to talk about it. What's the best email address to contact you at? It's drfugity at transcranialbrainstimulation.com. Okay. This has been great. And I really appreciate your taking your time to talk with. Maybe we can talk again in, in some months and uh, follow up with uh, whatever new advances are coming down the pike. All right. Good to with him. Hope we'll do it again. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome, okay. John. Okay. Bye now, Jim. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jim Fujidi and the Brain Stimulation Clinic in Atlanta, Georgia, go to transcranialbrainstimulation.com. Or check links and show notes at DIYTDCS.com. Thanks.